From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is Dr. Shelton Smith, and this is Making a Difference. What a joy and a delight it is for us to get together here at this microphone, spend some time with you at this time, five days a week, right here on this station. And I'm thankful that you're along today. We open the Bible every single day, dig in to whatever the Lord's given us in His Word, and we believe we can be of some help and encouragement to you. So I hope that you'll not only join us today, but as often as you can right here at this time. Starting yesterday, I introduced a subject to you basically in one word. It's the word grounded. It's used in the Bible in a number of times, and I will read a passage about that in just a moment. But I'm talking about getting you so set and settled in your Christian life that you're on a good, solid footing. And that's why that I use the title, Keeping Your Feet on the Ground. Getting your feet on the ground, because so many people just seem to drift once they become a Christian. They continue in a weakened state and do not really get to the place where that they are functioning like a strong Christian. Yesterday, I read a verse in Colossians chapter number one, and I reread that verse today. It's verse number 23. It says, if you continue in the faith, faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And it goes on to say some other things. But I take note of the fact that it says we are to be grounded and settled in the faith. Now, being grounded means we just get such a foundation, such a footing, that we are fully anchored so you can build on what you have. You have the foundation that is sufficient that will enable you so that when trouble comes, you'll make it. When you get into a valley of some kind in your life, you'll still be able to make it. You're going to become unmovable, literally unshakable and unflappable in your Christian life. Now, I back up in the first chapter of the book of Colossians to share a few things with you about this. Verse 5 talks about the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. When we come to Christ, we do have a hope, and it's not a perhaps kind of situation. It is a solid manifestation of confidence. It is the trust of our heart that we have relied upon the Lord Jesus, we have put our trust in Him, and that is our hope of heaven. Now, you get down to verse number 6, and it talks about once you heard the gospel, you knew the grace of God in truth. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just say to you very, very clearly, people talk about God. Sometimes they talk about him as though he's some far off distant individual that can not possibly be reached or touched. Sometimes people talk about God in the ways that just absolutely makes you know that they do not know the great God of creation. They do not know the great God of salvation. And so this passage says that we need to know the grace of God in truth. It does not need to be tainted. It does not need to be some imaginary thing that we've developed. It needs to be based upon the authority of what we find here in the Bible that tells us about God. Now, why is all of this necessary? Why is all of this important to us? Well, if you continue to read here in this chapter, it says in verse number 9, 
that the desire of the great apostle Paul was that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So we have a goal. That goal is that we find the will of God, we get the knowledge of that, we begin to apply it with wisdom, and we do it with spiritual understanding. Meaning by that, we're not just doing it based on how we feel or based on how maybe somebody advised us, but we're getting counsel from the Lord himself and figuring out day by day, the steps we take, the decisions we make, all of the things that are going on in our life, we build that based on a spiritual understanding and basing it on the wisdom of God. Then the next thing it tells us in this chapter, verse number 10, is that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let me just elaborate on that a little bit. Number one, it says that you might walk worthy. I want you to get grounded in the faith, and certainly that's the desire that God has for all of us, that we get so grounded that when we walk out in the world, we're out on the street, out in the workplace, out in the marketplace, wherever that we are, we will walk worthy of the Lord. Dear friends, if you listen to me here on this broadcast, you know that I talk a lot about us getting our lives cleaned up, getting things straightened up, getting things working like the Lord would have it to work in our life, not just mimicking the culture, not just doing what everybody else is doing, but walking worthy of the Lord. Literally, the Lord does have something distinctive in mind for us. And whenever you and I discover that and begin to implement that in our life, then I think we're looking at what he's talking about here. That is walking worthy of him. We identify with him. We ought not to embarrass him. And so this says that, number one, that we're to walk worthy of him. And then secondly, it says being fruitful in every good work. So the Lord does have a work in mind for us, things he would like for us to do. And you can find that very easily in the Bible. The Great Commission and other passages tell us that the Lord wants us to become a witness for him. And this verse says, being fruitful in every good work. So he wants us to produce. And if we begin to do that, listen, you're not going to do that until you begin to walk worthy. But once you begin to walk as the Lord would have you to walk, in fact, there's a passage in 1 John that says we are to walk as he walked. And as we do that, then we're putting ourselves in position to be a fruitful Christian, be a fruit-bearing Christian. And then the third thing says, an increasing in the knowledge of God. So yes, we're going to continue to grow in our relationship with the Lord. We're going to continue to find out things about God and begin to implement His truth and His ways day by day in our personal life. And then when you get to verse 11, we're looking at Colossians chapter 1, verse 11 says, "...strengthened with all might according to His glorious power." Now, dear friend, I know as I talk about this, I think about my own personal life. I think about your personal life. And uh, I'm guessing that some of you will say all of these things sound very idealistic. They sound uh, like something that maybe some super Christian can do, but I'm just not sure that I can do it. Well, dear friend, precious friend, let me say a word to you here. None of us can be everything that we ought to be in our own strength. None of us can rise to the point of getting the approval of God 
unless we do so in the strength and energy that the Lord provides for us. He enables, by His mighty power, He does a work in us and through us and for us that will enable us to get to the place where that we have sufficient strength to follow His will in our life. If we want to be His servant, if we want to be well-pleasing to God, if we want to walk worthy of Him, then we're going to need His strength and His power working in our life. And the Bible says, "...strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness." So, dear friend, be patient with yourself. And do not just give up whenever you fail, but instead the Bible uses the term long-suffering here. Now, that term doesn't mean suffering long. What it means is you're going to stay at it. You're not going to give in. You're not going to give up. You're not going to let down and get discouraged and just say, well, there's no way that I can do this. But instead, you're going to be patient and long-suffering with joyfulness. Meaning by that, you're going to keep your spirit. You're going to keep your heart. You're going to continue to grow in the Lord and allow the joy of the Lord to work in your life. Instead of getting down when you fail, It's a matter of just saying, I'm going to walk with the Lord, I'm going to let Him work in my life, and I'm going to do so with a joyful heart and a joyful spirit. And dear friend, if you'll do that, I'm telling you, you're going to get good results. The Bible goes on to say here in this passage, we're redeemed through the blood of Christ. We have the forgiveness of our sins through the payment that Christ made on the cross. And we have that. It is ours. It is locked in. You can take that to the bank, make the deposit, draw on it any day that you're not feeling good. I'm telling you, God has made tremendous arrangements for us. And now he is saying to us in this passage, just keep walking, stay grounded, stay settled, do what you ought to do in this regard, and it's going to produce good things for you. So that's the reason why that you and I can talk about being unmovable. Whatever ill wind blows, we don't have to be blown away with it. We're talking about being unshakable. I mean, you may have some earthquake-type event in your life where something just shakes you to your foundation, but it will not shake you away from the grounding that you have in Christ if you get grounded. So I'm using those terms, unmovable, unshakable, and unflappable, so that you're going to just continue right on because you have the solid grounding that you need in the Lord. I think about in the Bible some examples of some people who, uh, well, they didn't quite make it on some days. For example, you may remember the story of John. John Mark getting uh, sidetracked. He and the Apostle Paul had a little disagreement because John Mark got homesick and decided he didn't want to stay with Paul. He didn't want to continue in the work, and so he took off. The Apostle Paul didn't like that. He got fussy about that, and John Mark was looked upon kind of as a weakling or a coward, and maybe he was for a little bit, but he became settled. He became grounded. He got himself back and later was a profitable servant of the Lord, and the Bible says that all very clearly. So because you have failed, maybe you got homesick, maybe you yielded in some weak moment and did not do what you should do, Well, get up, get back, get going again, do the thing that you ought to do. I think about some others in the Bible who really messed up badly. The Bible talks about Demas. What did he do? Well, he ditched the ship. Instead of staying with the Apostle Paul and the other men of God who were working faithfully, he took off. He forsook them. Now, folks, I don't know whether he ever came back or not. The Bible doesn't say 
But I want you to know, when you have misstepped, you don't have to be a Demas. You don't have to go that direction. I think about the man who's called Diotrephes in the Bible. You say, what was his problem? He loved the spotlight. He was more in love with the spotlight than he was the Lord. He just wanted to be honored. He wanted to have the preeminence. And uh, that is a big, big mistake. And if you are a Christian and you're just trying to get the spotlight, you want to be on the platform. I mean, you've just got all of these kinds of things going on with you. That's a trap. That's a snare. You must not let yourself fall into that kind of a thing. There's another man in the Bible, Alexander the coppersmith. The Apostle Paul said he did me much evil. Dear friends, sometimes people who are professing Christians can do things that they ought not to do. They can do things like the world does it. And that is a tragic mistake. And these men that I've mentioned here, Alexander, Diotrephes, and Demas, all of them, what happened to them? Well, they disappeared off the scene. Were they Christians? Were they really, truly saved? I don't know the story with them. I don't know the outcome. I just know they messed up badly. And if you and I will get ourselves grounded, it will enable us to avert the ordinary mistakes that so many, many people make. And I'm telling you, the devil's got a lot of traps set for you. I mean, I've seen people who got embarrassed about something. For example, I remember a situation where someone stood up. They were the only ones standing whenever a song was being sung, and they didn't realize that they were standing up. Everybody else was being seated. And when they realized that they were standing, they were so embarrassed, they turned around, walked out, and to my knowledge, never came back to the church again. Now, folks, what's the deal here? That's somebody who just did not have their grounding in place. And I'll give you some more illustrations like this, Lord willing, on the broadcast tomorrow, because the devil does set traps. He sets snares, and if he can use something like embarrassment or your pride or something like that to cause you to not continue to do as you ought to do, well, he will do it to you. He will mess you up, and I want you to know you've got to be always aware of the strategies, the scheming of the devil, and whatever he might try to do to cause you to fail. In the meantime, here's my point, dear friend. Continue like you ought to continue. Continue to grow. Continue to stick. Continue to stay in church. Continue in Bible study. Continue in prayer. Stay grounded, and you'll be in good shape. I'll talk some more about this tomorrow, and I do hope that you'll join me then. I'll look forward to being right here at this time. In the meantime, do write me a note. Let me know that you're hearing the broadcast, and if we're being a help to you, I'd be delighted to know that. So write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Dear friends, thank you for being along today. And until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day and goodbye for now.